0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. If you're listening on the East Coast, uh, good morning. If you're listening on the West Coast, and Good day if you're listening somewhere else in the world to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is uh, his company, All Metals and Forge Group, is the sponsor of the show. And we are here today to talk about aerospace in the Southwest. We've talked about the Northeast. We have talked about the Southeast. we talked about Mexico. And this show is about the Southwest. And before we uh, introduce each of our three guests for today's show, I would like to uh Talk with Lou a bit and see what's happening in the news. There's a couple of interesting news items. Lou, how are you doing today? I'm
2: doing great. Thank you, Tim. Uh, yeah, last week we did uh, do a show on uh, Mexico, uh, south of the border, not only uh, aerospace, but uh, manufacturing in general, and what's happening in Mexico uh, in terms of uh, near shoring efforts coming back to North America, not necessarily to the U.S., but coming to Mexico. Uh, and all the uh, benefits of nearshoring there as opposed to uh, either the U.S. or the benefits of offshoring. Uh, so that's an interesting show, uh, not to take anything away from today's show about aerospace in the southwest. Um, regarding uh, the news clip, I, I, this will probably be the final, uh, I hope it's the final uh, story, on the L.A. port Issue the union issue the slowdown that we had for about eight months. They signed the contract May twenty one. Uh, it's a five year contract, and uh, as a result of that eight month slowdown, uh, the GDP for the first quarter here in the U S was point plus two percent. Um, the revision numbers that I hear them talking about is. Minus 0.9%. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. I hope the union is happy which, with, with which, what they did uh, for the country, but at least the 20,000 longshoremen who are making now $160,000 a year after three years, I hope they're all happy. Um, this is today the uh, fourth in a series of five shows on aerospace. Uh, in the United States, and uh, Tim, I'll turn that over to you. Great. So let's talk about aerospace in the Southwest, and I'd like to introduce our three guests, uh,
1: Susan Labracas, who is consultant to the Aerospace Industries Association on Workforce Issues. Susan, how are you today?
0: I'm very well, thank you.
1: Good. And Kevin Wolfe, who's been on our show before, he's general manufacturer, general manager of Powell Manufacturing that works uh, on aerospace components and parts for the industry Kevin, how are you doing?
3: I am good, thank you. Great. And
1: Michael Krobach, who's Executive Vice President of Lead Generation for Texas One. Michael, welcome to the show.
4: Good day. Thank you for having me.
1: Susan, I want to come back to you because you uh, consult on uh, workforce issues and and in a subject area that's near and dear to my heart, which is uh, STEM. Uh, Why don't you share with our listeners what it is that you do?
0: Okay. I'm happy to do that. And thank you for having me on the call today. Um, As you said, I'm currently a consultant to the Aerospace Industries Association on Workforce Issues. Um, I took that position, uh, if you can call it that, that role in January. I actually retired from from AIA on January 9th and uh, continued the work that I've been doing for a number of years as a consultant now. I have worked in the aerospace industry since 1982. I was employed by Northrop Corporation, which became Northrop Grumman, actually worked in their Los Angeles headquarters uh, my first uh, period at the company, and then transitioned here to Washington. I, as I said, I was there about 20 years, and then I worked for BAE Systems. And I give you this background because I want to explain that I, I, I'm I very familiar with the industry, but I am not an HR person. I am not an engineer. I'm not a manufacturer. I come to this issue of our workforce, the, the aerospace future workforce from a public policy standpoint, looking at it um, from the standpoint of our member companies on what public policies need to be addressed in order to ensure that we have a robust future workforce, both for us to stay in in business and for the national security of, of the United States. So I was assigned by systems by whom I was employed in 2006 to represent them on the first ever workforce working group at the Aerospace Industries Association and I ended up chairing that within six months so I've been involved as um, a a leader of the industry-wide collaboration to address our future workforce needs for about nine years I came to AIA on the staff in January of 2011 to do, to work on these issues full time. So that gives you a little bit of background and context on the perspective I bring to the issues.
1: Thanks, Susan. Uh, I'm going to come back to you on the, uh, on the robust public policy issues. Uh, I think that's incredibly important, but I want to go to Kevin Wolf. Uh, Kevin, you've been on the show before, but please give our listeners an update on what uh, you do with Powell Manufacturing.
3: Uh, we're, a privately held, uh, Third-generation family-owned company in Phoenix. Uh, we do uh, precision machining for all of the aerospace components, both military and commercial. We're about 102 people and growing rapidly.
1: That's a, that's a good always a good sign, um, Michael. If you would share with our listeners what you do for Texas One, please.
4: Be glad to. Texas One is a program of the Texas Economic Development Corporation. it's a non-for-profit entity, and we market Texas in a dynamic and competitive environment. Um, for me personally, uh, earlier this month, I was appointed Executive Vice President for Lead Generation, and that means that I'm responsible for spearheading research, lead-based generation, and strategic partnership activities for Texas One. And what we do is focus on supporting the businesses across the state but then also attract businesses and help businesses expand here. And we focus on jobs, investment, and industry development for Texas. Just to give you a small example of the role that the Texas Economy and the Texas One program have played in the state's really uh, strong position when it comes to employment is Texas really has a unique marketing program that allows us to really really, uh, echo and communicate the awareness about Texas business friendly climate together with the office of the governor Texas one really helped to make Texas the leader in job creation and the state recently was awarded site selections governor's cup for the third consecutive year uh, and puts the Lone Star State uh, sixth overall in winning what is a uh, focused top job creating capital investment projects where just last year Texas completed 689 capital investment projects, uh, which had uh, investments of greater than a million dollars. And aerospace and aviation plays a key role in that. But it's the work that we're doing to raise the awareness about Texas as a place to do business.
2: Uh, We uh, have had several shows uh, over the past year and a half where we talked about the gray hairs and uh, the workforce uh, retiring and leaving and so on, and then talking about also the, the millennials coming into the forefront and uh, taking over these uh, jobs that are vacant. And I, I think there's still about 600,000 manufacturing jobs available here in, the, in this country. And
1: uh, I think
2: Susan will probably be able to speak to a lot of that, uh, in relation to aerospace, and uh, I think the three of three of you uh, really bring a lot to our uh, conversation today. Uh, and Kevin, we've spoken to him often enough about their attempts at getting new people into their uh, company and training and uh, dealing with a, um, if I'm not mistaken, a motorcycle um, school. Correct. Is, yes. And uh, so this this is a very good group to be talking about, a very large uh, issue that is facing this country.
1: Susan, uh, the uh, public policy situation, I know that, uh, you know, Kevin is trying to solve this in microcosm in his neighborhood, really, uh, to get qualified workers. What are we doing at the federal level? to try to bring the workforce uh, up to speed with what's needed in the workforce in the next 10 years?
0: Well, I I will say that um, probably not as much at the federal level per se in terms of government policy as at the national level trying to coordinate activities that are going on in one part of the country and share them with other locations, sharing of best practices. Let me let me explain that a little bit. First of all, I, wanna, uh, I want to be clear that uh, the Aerospace Industries Association is a trade association. We have about 300 member companies all over the United States. We have one and we, the association, have one and only one office here in Washington, D.C. So we are playing at the national level and do interact very closely with the Department of Defense and um, all the other federal agencies, the FAA and so forth. But that being said, with some of the gridlock that's been taking place in the city for for a number of years now, um, our member companies have found the most effective way to have an impact, a real impact in the the near term, is to be – collaborating within our industry, so we that's why we created this working group back in 2006 to identify best practices that our companies were already involved in, in, K, in uh, STEM education and workforce development, and share those within our industry with other industry groups and with all the other stakeholders across the nation in, in STEM education and workforce development, whether it be the K-12 community, higher education, the philanthropic community, STEM program providers, so frankly, my job, both as, first as the chair of the working group and then as a staff person here at AIA, has been connecting a lot of dots and making sure that we're making information available to our partners and within our industry, and that we are shining a light on best practices, the, the programs that are actually proving effective in developing our future workforce because our member companies, we include Boeing, Northrop, Bratheon, General Dynamics, Honeywell, all the large corporations whose names you recognize and hundreds of smaller suppliers who do not have as much visibility or as many resources. And our objective is to make sure that the money that they are expending on education and workforce development is effective. So I, i I didn't answer your question in terms of you know federal legislation and so forth I certainly monitor that but that has not been the key focus of our efforts we're supporting the Perkins uh, Reauthorization Act for example but I would say the vast majority of my time is spent connecting various organizations and and uh, other associations uh, where we work very closely with the National Association of Manufacturers and their Manufacturing Institute we are also part of a large uh, coalition called the National Network of Business and Industry Associations. There's also looking at the skilled tr- uh, workforce. Um, I, could, I could go on, but let me stop there.
1: Okay. Now, Michael, when you're talking about Texas and an aerospace manufacturer, whether it's uh, a shop the size of, uh, of Kevin's or one of the large OEMs wants to talk about moving into the state, you must be getting the question but, Michael, where am I getting my qualified employees from? How do you answer
4: that? It's a question we receive regularly. And let me tell you, Texas is home to more than 10% of all aerospace and aviation manufacturing jobs in the United States. It's about 153,000-plus people employed across Texas within the aerospace and aviation industry. You know, Texas really has a long history of uh, being a core location within global aerospace and aviation. You know, since dating back in the 1940s when the fighter planes were manufactured in the north, north, uh, northern part of the state uh, by uh, Chance of Voight aircraft, uh, as well as when fighter pilots were trained in San Antonio at Randolph Air Force Base beginning in 1931. We're really proud to host operations for major airlines like American Airlines and Southwest Airlines. And we have 17 of the 20 largest aerospace manufacturers in the world have operations in Texas, including Boeing, EADS, which is a consortium of French, German, Spanish, UK, having their headquarters out of France, and then even Lockheed. So when it comes to activities related to workforce and the number of people it's a regular aspect that given the various locations across the state we've got some of the, some of the largest employers in texas uh... some as an example lockheed martin employing more than twenty thousand employees across texas that's about eighteen percent of lockheed's workforce bell helicopter which operates a manufacturing facility in the texas panhandle out of amarillo about six thousand plus employee And then Raytheon in the northern part of state, about 9,000. So when you look at these companies and then businesses, whether they're large or small, what we do is we match programs that we have in our colleges as well as beginning STEM education in our high schools that really line up a future workforce for what is a fairly robust and significant aerospace and aviation manufacturing operation going on every day across the state of Texas.
1: Michael, how many people a day, uh, do you estimate, I've heard uh, 500 and climbing or moving into the state of Texas because you've got a a great job opportunity today?
4: It's a great number. And um, the total amount that we have fluctuates. But depending overall, it could very well be 1,000 to 1,100 people every day are new entrants and becoming citizens here in Texas. So we have been growing as a state, its employment base and population about 50% greater than the nation's average. And we do have things that really allow businesses to uh, work in a very uh, cost-effective way with low taxes, fair regulations, And really supportive efforts that back in the 1990s, the Texas legislature established the ability for every city and county across the state of Texas to devote efforts and resources to support business uh, employment as well as investment in their communities. And so we've got a team at the state, regional, as well as at the local level, really supporting and helping businesses. So whether it is that small manufacturer looking for where their first facility is going to be, or maybe a shared environment where they're wanting to leverage what might be investment that's already taken place, uh, we're there to help in a way that really streamlines and compresses time because we know time is money for businesses, and we look to be able to help individuals who are managing their businesses make decisions, those key decisions, as they go through and select a location for their business.
2: Well, uh, go ahead, Luke. Uh, I was just gonna comment on the fact that we've now talked with four regions of the country, the Northeast, Southeast, uh, Texas, Mexico, uh, of the growth that's occurring in the aerospace industry, and there's, there certainly is a lot of uh, industry moving uh, from sector to sector, there's strong growth in the southeast, Georgia, the Carolinas, Alabama, and so on. It sounds to me that uh, Texas uh, seems to have a uh, real hold on uh, a, a significant segment of the aerospace growth at this time. Uh, would you agree with that, Michael?
4: I do. And I would tell you that the gross domestic product from Texas air transportation sector was $8.4 billion in 2011, a record for the state, and it really leads the U.S. The GDP from Texas air transportation sector has grown then t- more than 33% in the past decade and aerospace exports is another key driver of growth for manufacturers and those focused on developing goods and services that are exported uh, we had about five point six billion dollars in twenty twelve related to exports and it's really allowed us to attract aerospace investments from around the world at uh, the united kingdom uh, where BAE is situated the netherlands france where safran is located Italy, even Israel, where we have Elbit systems operating in Fort Worth. And each of these investments uh, really offers opportunity for a supply chain that when the companies decide where they're going to locate and they're placing what are discretionary foreign direct investment, it really allows us to put our best foot forward and really have an opportunity to fill out not only locating those businesses, but then allowing manufacturers to have opportunities to support their efforts as we develop this economic uh, manufacturing environment in the aerospace and aviation industry.
1: Now, Kevin, I know that you have uh, worked with a local motorcycle shop because those people have uh, you know some sense of engineering. Uh, is, uh, are any of the other institutions in the state doing anything that you know of, for instance, Arizona State University? To help manufacturers in uh, Phoenix uh, develop their workforce for the future.
3: Not that I'm aware of. I've heard recently, and I don't know how true it is, that there is a uh, school that is going to open that is centered around manufacturing to help the younger people. Um, I don't. It'll be a couple of years if that happens before they're able to turn anybody out that would be useful to us. Uh, going through that program, but again, I don't know if that's true or not. I I haven't got any uh, specifics on that.
1: And Kevin, do you? You said your shop was growing rapidly. What's driving your growth?
3: Our customers, <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously. Our our customers, the the industry itself, um, and then you know the the work that we do. The quality of work, the the type of work is unique for our area uh, we do a lot of things in the materials that people don't want to work in so I think all of that is is driving it.
1: Um, Susan from your perspective working with an association and specifically on workforce issues what do you see happening across the country in the secondary education to help uh, manufacturers particularly in the aerospace industry get the kind of worker that they need uh, over the next ten years?
0: Well, I would say that secondary education has been the key area that we've been focused on for the, for the last nine years. Um, when we started our efforts here at AIA back in 2006, our, our real concern was how are we going to get enough engineers into our industry in order to stay in business once all the baby boomers retire. And that emphasis on K-12 to and get, getting students that solid grounding in math and science, not only the education, but the excitement for them to uh, to understand the opportunities that are available in our industry and other high-tech and manufacturing industries was the real challenge, getting, getting their attention and getting them enthused about the opportunities. Um, So our member companies have been involved for decades in supporting various programs, whether it be robotics competitions, our own AIA Team America Rocketry Challenge, a lot of extracurricular programs that get that enthusiasm and that excitement incited. But beyond that, we've also been working, I would say, the last nine years years—and closely with programs like Project Lead the Way, which is an in-school curriculum for in engineering for middle and high school students. So that was one of the first things we did was to endorse Project Lead the Way, and uh, we've seen that grow across the country from being in about 1,200 schools to being in excess of 5,000 today. So that, that is one key program. There are others. I, I would say that the main transformation that is happening that we see is really important. In secondary education is uh, hands-on learning, project-based learning where the students are doing real things with their hands and with their minds that can get them uh, to understand A, why math and science are important. If you're doing a project where, whether it's building a rocket or a robot or something else where you have to do the math in order to solve the challenge, then certainly you the, you get past the question of why do I need to know this? I'm never going to use it. So seeing that transformation to more hands-on learning is, I think, the most important thing at the secondary level.
2: Have you uh, heard of uh, ManufacturingDay.com? I
0: have, yes. uh, uh, Let me
2: just give a brief description to those who are not familiar, and then perhaps you can uh, throw in some comments regarding that. Uh, I think it's the fourth year now that Manufacturing Day exists, and it's one day a year where companies in every state in the union uh, opens up their doors to students to career change people to uh, college uh, uh, students and high school students to go into a manufacturing plant and take a tour and see what manufacturing is like today. Uh, there's not a whole lot of oil on the floor and metal chips on the floor. It's a lot more um, high-tech and computer-driven and so on. And this past year, I believe they had a total of 1,800 manufacturers in the 50 states, and there was 125,000 people that participated. And Manufacturing Talk Radio is... on it uh, during the last event, and uh, it seems as though that this is a very successful program uh, that's been created by several industrial uh, associations. Would you like to comment on that, uh, Susan?
0: absolutely yeah I think programs like that are absolutely vital I I know one of the biggest challenges we have is is changing the perception and the understanding of what manufacturing is all about certainly the manufacturing plants today are not my dad's or my grandfather's manufacturing plants and and without that firsthand experience uh, students don't know that parents don't know that we really haven't done a good job of making the the school counselors aware of the difference in in those kinds of jobs today so I I think that's really important and it also gets to a part of uh, my main message to people, which is, you know, this is not a technical problem. Solving our work for our future workforce uh, needs is not a matter of different kinds of technologies or or programs. It's a matter of relationships and young people having the opportunity to meet and and talk with in a meaningful way with people who work in these companies who can share what their experiences are, what kind of uh, education or training they needed to get these jobs. what what kind of living they make and what life it enables them to have for their families. I think we need young people, particularly those from underrepresented groups in our society that are not not exposed and have are not aware of the opportunities, to see firsthand so that they are in, excited and, and can visualize a future for themselves in these fields. So Manufacturing Day and other other programs that get them in the plant and talking to people are absolutely critical.
1: Kevin, from the guy on the ground, one of the issues that we keep hearing about that's uh, challenging for manufacturers, particularly smaller manufacturers, is the uh, constant addition of regulations. Has that affected Powell Manufacturing?
3: No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) We
4: (laughs) –
3: there hasn't been – the regulations, I mean – for us as being a manufacturer, we work under obviously some regulations but as they're changing they have not affected us at, at all. Um, we're, we're an AS 9100 company working under global things so nothing has been a direct effect to us yet.
1: Well then you've been blowed. Uh, Michael, what are some of the other issues you're hearing from uh, manufacturers, particularly aerospace looking to move into Texas? Is regulation one of the pain points?
4: Well, regulation uh, matters do come up, and they do uh, involve time, especially when a new facility operation is looking to establish employment at the location, uh, whether it's matters to be able to uh, certify all of the licenses and regulations associated with it. You know, Texas uh, legislature at the state level uh, only meets every other year. And so it's a part-time legislature. Uh, The state has spent quite a bit of time in order to reduce uh, regulations that are unnecessary, as well as have fair and uh, streamlined ways to help businesses get up and do what they need to do. Uh, The state works closely with individuals at the local level. And as I mentioned previously, we have economic development corporations that really are there to help streamline what the requirements are for businesses looking to operate in the state. You know, one of the key things I would say that every business has interest in and that is access to qualified talent. Uh, Looking at the talent that's across the state and really where uh, the skills needed for positions like aircraft mechanics, avionics technicians, engine assemblers, and then airfield operations specialists. These are some of the key occupations that exist within the aerospace and aviation industry that employers in Texas have as a regular part of their operations. About 13% of all air transportation jobs in the U.S. are in Texas, and Texas' workforce is about 20% greater than the national average. So we've been blessed to have an increased concentration of an area access to a qualified workforce but we know we've got to work locally together with our universities as well as our secondary schools just to give an example at the uh, university level eleven of texas public and private universities provide aeronautic programs offering degrees in aerospace engineering aviation science and related specialties Elsewhere across the state, we've got 14 public and private colleges offering federal aviation administration-approved aviation maintenance technology programs. And we even had four of our schools ranked in the top 10 on the U.S. News and World Report's top 50 aerospace engineering graduate schools. That's the University of Texas at Austin, which came in at number eight, and Texas A&M University in College Station, which came in at number nine. So we know that really educating our future workforce and really putting a focus in the secondary area on science, technology, engineering, and math instruction. In Texas, we refer to it as T-STEM. And we've got initiatives that have established networks uh, all across the state. Uh, We began the initiative in 2006, and it really builds on state and local efforts to improve those STEM uh... disciplines and then knowledge to really allow students early in their careers to understand what it could be like to utilize uh... this particular background just at the beginning of this school year in our secondary schools we had ninety one designated t-stem academies operating across the state and serving more than 50, 56,000 students in grades six through twelve so um, a lot matters to businesses when they're looking at a location But uh, talent and workforce ability and planning, uh, what the future skills of our students and schools uh, really helps us to be able to support the needs and demands that uh, individual businesses are looking at when they decide on a location.
1: We're going to uh, take a commercial break, and we're going to be back with uh, Susan Labracas, who is uh, formerly uh, with the... Uh, AIA and uh, in Workforce Development, Kevin Wolf with uh, Powell Manufacturing as their general manager, and Michael Krobach, who's uh, Executive Vice President for Lead Generation uh, with Texas One with the Texas Economic Development Corporation. So we'll be hearing more from those three folks after a quick commercial break from Manufacturing
5: Talk Radio.
0: Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back.
5: How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM or any supplier having the right quality certification fast and free you can even get to specific products components or downloadable 3d CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers there's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers there's simply no other resource like it and it's all free go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania
2: is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit americancrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778.
0: All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at SteelForge.com or call. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Wise. Lou is with All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor of our show. We're talking about aerospace in the southwest, and we are joined by Susan LaFracas, who's a consultant to the Aerospace Industries Association on Workforce Issues. Kevin Wolf, who's general manager of Powell Manufacturing there in Phoenix, Arizona, and Michael Krobach, who's executive vice president of lead generation for Texas One uh, with the Texas Economic Development uh, uh, Department. Um, Susan, let me go to you for a moment on this regulation issue. Uh, You have 300 members. Uh, Mm -hmm. Are any of them expressing to you, although you may not be a lobbying organization, that one of their pain points is just too much regulation?
0: Uh, Certainly, that's always an issue for our industry, being uh, government contractors especially. Uh, Regulation overall is always uh, a topic that we are addressing here at AIA. It it has not been a particular concern addressed in the workforce area, I would say.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I guess uh, I know that there's so much of it going on in terms of regulation, and we hear from a lot of small businesses that they're really plagued by it, uh, to the point where we heard from one small business uh, that said their lawyer advised them simply don't bother implementing for the regulation. Uh, if they come along and uh, uh, press you on the point, you're probably going to get a slap on the hand letter before you get uh, uh, anything serious on that particular matter, matter. So save yourself some money and, and don't bother uh, implementing on that one because there's just too much going on. So that
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let me just add that um, that our member companies belong to a number of different associations and some are focused on different areas. It could well be that they're addressing regulatory burden in the workforce area through another uh, venue and have not looked to, to AIA to handle that particular aspect of the work since, as I said earlier, our working group and the efforts here at AIA have been focused primarily on growing the pipeline of talent. In
1: specifically that area, or are they more broadly based in other areas as well too
0: our industry association yes we cover all kinds of different topics, but what I'm saying is that in workforce we've been primarily concerned with growing the pipeline and then in the last couple of years increasing emphasis on specifically uh training talent preparing talent for manufacturing
1: okay okay um just to go to you quickly, Kevin, on uh, on your uh, situation with uh, finding new workers, you worked with the man with the motorcycle shop and you gained some folks. Does that struggle continue? Is it still difficult to find talented people to bring into Powell?
3: It is uh, in our area. Everybody that's good is working, and you know you can play the the game back and forth and trying to steal somebody from another company, but they just offer more money and so on. So, uh, you know, I go back to one of our very first shows and say, listen, it, I just talked to a guy yesterday that was 21 years old, and he was struggling with what he wanted to do. And I said, did you decide when you were in, in high school? Well, no, not really. So you graduated high school, and now you're 21, and you still haven't decided. And he says, yeah, not really. That poses a a problem for, in my opinion, what happens? How many people are doing something like that? In you know, I go back with this industry. I go back to my time. I'm a baby boomer. I don't mind saying that. But we had basic classes of you know auto mechanics and you know, things that were in schools that are not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I even ask him, you know, do you know how to change the oil in your car? Well, no, I don't. You know, some of those basic things, uh, do you know what a crescent wrench is? He says, well, I know what it looks like, but I don't know what you use it for.
1: <laughs>
3: and, you know, so it's funny because it just, I think it goes, in order to get people interested, we're doing all of these other things when, I think there needs to be some more focus, you know, at the school level, um, implementing some of the programs that some of us were able to go through that kind of gave you a a path to what you wanted to do.
1: Well, I would agree with you, Kevin. I know that all of the woodworking that I do today, whether it's putting uh, uh, some wood repairs on my deck or, you know, building a whatnot table, all came out of my wood shop class when I was in junior high school. Uh Susan in your work with the in workforce issues, are you hearing any undercurrent that they may bring some of these shop classes back into the K through 12 realm?
0: Uh I have I'm not hearing enough of it there's certainly an awareness that you know I'm, I'm a baby boomer too and whether it was shop class or home ec we had lots of hands-on learning opportunities that supported both career opportunities and just life that a lot of students do not have today they certainly don't get it in the classroom which is why there are more and more of these extracurricular activities that our member companies and others are supporting to stimulate those kinds of, of talents uh, that's certainly a direct that we think things need to go in and um, one of the ways that we've been promoting it is through holding state, holding meetings all around the country in partnership with the National Defense Industrial Association. We hold state STEM forums where we try to bring a focus in on all these different aspects of what are needed to get all types of students motivated and active in STEM uh, fields. Uh, Not everybody is going to be a STEM professional, but everybody is going to have to have some literacy, some uh, competency in science, technology, engineering, and math, and that includes the shop class and so forth, in order to be employed. I mean, there aren't many jobs that are going to be pay a living wage where you aren't going to be using STEM, even if you're not a professional, and that's a big part of our message at these state meetings all around the country. And I, I would add that our next meeting is going to be on June 2nd and 3rd uh, in Wichita, Kansas, and and for the first time uh, the meeting and we've been doing these for many years several years uh, the focus will be on the skilled manufacturing workforce we will be at the Wichita area Wichita Aviation Training Center where the focus will be on a 12 week course that was initiated by Boeing, and it's now now in five different locations around the country, uh, called the National Aviation Consortium, where it trains manufacturing workers for our industry.
1: Well, I applaud you for that, because one of the things that, that uh, I think has to come back into the school system, and maybe they're going to have to add it to STEM, they'll have to have to add an F for shop, yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, woodworking, auto mechanics, home mech, or whatever it is, uh, it's you know, and every every student going through, uh, you know, particularly junior high and high school, asks the same question: When am I ever going to use this? Yep. Well, if you're if you're in a shop class, measure twice, cut once is a pretty good rule on where you're going to use math, we you're going to make a lot of stuff real wrong. Uh, Michael, how about in Texas? Any uh, undercurrent there that they might be bringing shop classes back into the uh, uh, junior high or high school?
4: Well, you know, it's interesting because the um, uh, given the market and the existence not only of commercial aerospace and aviation but even the government aerospace uh, and defense industry, uh, we've gotten uh, a lot more granular all across the state. Uh, I did mention that in terms of um, uh, technical schools that we have, two examples, we have 14 public and private colleges offering FAA-approved aviation maintenance tech programs, and just two as an example, Texas State Technical College. It's the single largest provider of aerospace and aviation programs in the state. It's got primary aerospace campus in Waco, and then it also operates the nation's largest airport owned by a public educational institution and that offers a full range of FAA approved programs including uh, maintenance, air traffic control, aircraft dispatch, and even pilot training. We also have a maintenance program in Harlingen, South Texas, and also in Abilene uh, in Central to West Texas. So, um, programs like this really allow support for the industry you know to advance the efforts that we've initiated back in two thousand six on stem and clearly getting a full mm-hmm. rounded uh, aspect to uh, what we're going to do when we grow up and what career is best we've been working very closely with our workforce boards across the state you know it's one thing also to mention that texas is a very large uh... presence of government and defense related aviation operations that are focused on aircraft, missile and fire control, and even avionics manufacturing here in Texas. Texas has 15 active military bases with a national impact to the state of about $150 billion, which also includes six active Air Force bases and three Naval air stations. And so the other workforce that we're tapping into is our veterans and making sure that as they transition through the active aviation and defense related assignments and activities across the state we're able to establish a pipeline for our veterans into the workforce and so that's really helped us to supplement as really and really advance the ability for businesses looking to continue and really add these technical skills and knowledge within what they're doing these days in producing their products that are shipped globally and used nationally in support of our defense and and, and uh, uh, across the U.S.
2: Uh, on a slightly different uh, note, uh, and I did bring it up uh, at uh, as a, a bullet point at the beginning of the show regarding manufacturing and, and aerospace in Mexico. And it appears as though that that's sort of the new cub bear sleeping bear down south of your borders uh, or our borders. Um, are you hearing any uh, issues where some of the business that is in your particular states is going to be moving south? And, and the reason why I, the reason why I ask that is that we are, and as a uh, forging supplier. Uh, We've actually gotten, as recently as last week, a notification by one of our customers that they are closing their uh, Houston plant and they're moving to Monterey. And we are hearing bits and pieces of that. And and that came out in the show last week also, that there's, I think, about 350 aerospace manufacturing companies now in Mexico spread out over the whole country. Uh, Anybody comment on this?
4: (coughs) I can tell you from Texas' point of view and the work that we have taking place by employers in our border communities, uh, whether it's El Paso or whether it's Cameron County in the McAllen area, uh, we have very active relationships between Texas companies and Mexican businesses that really operates in a shared economy. And so we've really developed advanced relationships as well as you mentioned Monterey. Uh, where Monterey Tech typically has activities that are in coordination with our engineering schools, whether it's in the mechanical engineering or even aviation engineering. So we've really worked, and Mexico is Texas's largest trading partner, and so we've worked in a way to really advance utilizing regional economies because we know if we're situated in a location, it's really the strength of the overall area And we encourage businesses to consider when they're looking at a location overall aspects of doing business in a a particular area, and that has to do with uh, legal practices, protection of intellectual property rights, as well as ways to supplement what uh, the business has as a requirement or a concern for. So we have existed in a way that's really strengthened the Texas economy and really advances relationships in many areas, as I've described.
2: So you see this as a uh, major plus, not a threat?
4: We have really uh, seen Texas' economy grow as a result of active trade practices. We clearly don't want to have any businesses leaving Texas. We look to support them here, and we look to advance an alignment of what their initiatives are to utilize uh, the practices as well as low-tax environment and really uh, available uh, skilled workforce uh, which really advances beyond other locations that would be considered.
2: Uh, Kevin, uh, what do you see over on the Arizona side of the of the border?
3: Well, our customers kind of drive that. Uh, we've seen parts go away. We get notices like you do, and uh, we've seen that happen. They've stayed gone, and we've seen them where they take them away and move them to Mexico or other places. And a short time later, we wind up having them back. So our customers kind of drive that for cost purposes. Uh, I think is the biggest driver for them. And anymore, I don't know that it's becoming uh, that much more effective to do some of those things. I mean, I know of some shops, and I've done it myself. Uh, started a place in in Mexico. But there are some still some drawbacks, I think, to it. But, uh, again, the customers decide what they want to do with that.
1: Susan, how about you? As you look at it from the association point of view, what are they seeing, uh, your, your members, in terms of uh, manufacturing in Mexico?
0: well i would I would just echo what what 's already been said i 'm not at all surprised with their perspectives, but I would add that at our uh, in our activities at our level, the focus is definitely on growing the American workforce because when when we started this work, the emphasis was that our industry, aerospace and defense is uniquely affected by the lack of interest and The poor performance of American students in science and math, because many of our best-paying and most important jobs require American citizens because they're associated with security clearances. So that's been the real heart and soul of, of our work is making sure that American students are prepared for the jobs that we need them to fill.
4: I would add also this uh, concerning the specific occupations, and when it comes to those skilled uh, positions, whether it's the mechanics, the technicians, the assemblers, and the pilots, um, these are something that we see. In Texas, we rank number one in each of those occupations and that's something that we spend a lot of time on in terms of making sure our universities as well as our secondary educational institutions are lining up what is a ready workforce, as ready as possible, and even including the veterans as mentioned previously.
0: Which um, I would add the veterans hiring is a very key aspect of our work as well, Mm -hmm. aligning those programs and opportunities for, for them to join our industry.
4: The other area, if I I may, um, uh, Lou, you know, Texas really has a long history, too, in human spaceflight. Johnson Space Center Mm -hmm. employs about 3,000 employees. In the Houston area, about 14,000 contract business workers in Houston. And we've had some recent successes where SpaceX, in early 2012, completed an office and a launch pad expansion in McGregor, Texas, which is focused on rocket development. And this is where the company conducts engine tests for its Falcon 9 launch vehicle. And most recently, just last year, the company is expanding where it's gonna create 300 new full-time jobs in the community to focus on space uh, travel. And so these are efforts that we see that really allows what is advancing aerospace and aviation to its true core. And that's not only focused on research, development, and manufacturing, but even some new frontiers. Uh, SpaceX is also focused in Brownsville, Texas, and that's along uh, the Texas-Mexico border. And they're creating 300 jobs in the Brownsville area, investing about $85 million in new investment. So space exploration and travel offer some new areas that, quite honestly, these are things that you're only going to get out of the U.S. workforce and really advancing in ways that are pushing what had been more limited opportunities and now being commercialized in ways that had not been before.
1: Kevin, uh, as we begin to uh, approach the top of the hour and I want to begin to wrap up the show, I do want to share with our listeners the website addresses of each of our guests so that they can get a hold of you or get a hold of your company. What's the website for Powell Manufacturing, Kevin?
3: Ours is com.
1: So if any of the manufacturers listening out there want to use Powell Manufacturing to get your aerospace components created, that's the website to go to. Susan, how about your website?
0: Ours is www.powell.com. AIA Aerospace.org.
1: Great, thank you. And Michael, how about for yours?
0: Yes,
4: it's Texas Wide Open for Business. Just all spelt together Texas Wide Open for
1: Great. Susan, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners in a minute or so before we wrap up here?
0: Yes, thank you. Um, I would like to add that I think I've made it clear that early on our work was primarily focused on the K-12 to STEM pipeline. More recently, there's a lot more inquiry and effort and communi- uh, collaboration around manufacturing skill talent and how we prepare them and entice them into our industry to the point that this year uh, we – inserted into our annual workforce survey. We do an annual survey of the aerospace and defense industry about their workforce needs, current and projected. This year, we added a special segment in that survey that goes out to all of our member companies specifically about their skilled manufacturing talent needs and and what they're doing about it, what programs they have underway, because what I'm finding is as has already been described in Texas, there are lots of things going on by our member companies initiated by them or that they're partnering with others uh, to meet their skilled workforce needs, and we don't have an overall picture of that nationally. Uh, this this workforce study will be coming out in August. It's the Aviation Week and Space Technology magazine that that works with us to produce the survey and then publishes the results in August. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in knowing more about the manufacturing workforce needs of the aerospace and defense industry to look for that report and certainly contact me. I can make it available.
1: Thank you, Susan. That's very helpful. And, Michael, anything else in the minute here you can share with our listeners about your work or what's happening in the future?
4: Uh, Yes, I I think it's important for uh, listeners to know that at Texas One, you know, we're focused to help businesses of all sizes in all locations across the state, and we're their one-stop shop to be able to help them compress time, Uh, and the work that we provide is confidential as well as no cost. We really work in a way to support businesses in terms of their strategic interests matching what are opportunities in Texas locations, that makes a great fit long term, as well as their operating needs, whether it's access to our assets, whether it be workforce, clearly the transportation network that exists within the state, and then Texas also has uh, incentives that exist, some focused on employment, others focused on job training and works in a way to really support projects like the SpaceX uh, one that was awarded $2.3 million. And even Lockheed Martin on their Orion project, that was a large space capsule development project focused for NASA on missions to Mars. So Texas is the, uh, one of the few states that has a dedicated Office of Aerospace Aviation and Defense here within the office of Governor Abbott. And this is something that we look to uh, support every individual who has, has an interest in order to locate their business and expand here in Texas.
2: Oh, Thanks, Michael. Lou? Uh, one, I'd like to thank the three of you to be on our show uh, today. Uh, and uh, the any of you who have not listened to the entire show in about uh, – 30, 30 to 45 minutes from now, the show will be uh, archived on our uh, website, mfgtalkradio.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. Um, I would like to also mention that on June 9th, we will have the final uh, fifth segment of our aerospace series, uh, which will be California and the West Coast Aerospace Industry. And I suggest that for those who have listened to the entire series, uh, tune in on the 9th. We do have a show on uh, June 2nd as well with Brad Holcomb and uh, our Institute of Supply Management uh, segment, which we have every month. And, uh, again, I want to thank you all for uh, being so informative. And, uh, Tim?
1: Thanks, Lou. Uh, we are just kind of going to wrap up the show here. I do want to remem- uh, remind everyone that next Tuesday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, we will be having Brad Holcomb on from the Institute of Supply Management who will be talking about the latest uh, report on business for manufacturing. It'll be an interesting number this month to see uh, where we are at. It was 51.5 for the last two months, and we're all kind of waited- waiting with bated breath since we're not quite sure what this economy is doing based on, first quarter GDP and uh, what might be a soft second quarter GDP. We'll also be joined on that show by Senior International Correspondent Professor Adriana Sanford from uh, uh, Arizona State University, who's going to be talking on some interesting subjects, one of which we might type, uh, touch on is counterfeits in manufacturing, a very serious topic that can have some very serious implications. If any of you are following us on Twitter, we are at MFG Talk Radio. We certainly encourage you to send your comments to info at mfgtalkradio.com. And that uh, completes our conversation for today on Aerospace in the Southwest on Manufacturing Talk Radio, the voice of manufacturing globally.
0: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at
5: mfgtalkradio.com.